Here we are in this time together as we have been in a sermon series that we've titled Level Up. Come on, somebody just say level up with me. Level up, level up. Level up. That's what we're learning about. That's what we're doing. We're, we're talking about what it means to level up. And a few weeks ago when we kicked off this level up series, I gave you just a working definition or a few of them for what level up means. I'll put them on the screen right now. Level up means to go higher, to go to a higher level or Standard. In fact, if you don't have one of these level up wristbands, I just gave mine away. I got an extra one here in my pocket. Grab a level up wristband here today. It says go higher. Go to a higher standard. We have them just scattered all around the room. You can grab one on your way out. But it's a good reminder to level up, to go to a higher level, to increase or improve something, to to make an improvement in your life for the better. I believe God wants to take you to a higher level. I believe God wants to do something in you, through you, for his glory. In order for that to happen, he wants you to get better. Come on, just raise your hand really quick if you still have room to get better. Okay, I'm, along, I'm around some people here in the room. Go ahead and put a little emoji if you're on the chat right now with somebody with their hand raised. I'm around room, a room of people that want to get better. I feel like if we all get better in some area, some of us may be in the area of the word, maybe in the area of prayer, maybe in the area of sin or addiction, or maybe it's just you just showing up at church today is an evidence of you getting better. And I just want to honor you today. I thank the Lord that you made it because you're leveling up with us here in the house. I talked about how we feel at Walk Church we need to level up in our DNA. The DNA is the, the things that that make you go, it's the gas in your tank, it's the, the, the blood that is flowing and pumping in your body and what makes up the different cells and the different things that cause you to move and to act. What are those things for Walk Church? If you cut Walk Church open, what comes out? That's what we're leveling up in right now. So a few weeks ago I talked about leveling up the mission. Let me go ahead and remind you, the mission of Walk Church is simply this, to free people to walk in Jesus. We have a very clear mission statement, freeing people to walk in Jesus. This is, this is our definition of a disciple. Jesus gave us the mission. The mission is to make disciples of all nations, right? Not just in Las Vegas, not just in America, but in, in the world, in the nations, that Jesus loves the globe. And we're called to make disciples, and how we define a disciple is somebody who's been set free by the gospel of Jesus, and is now walking in the person of Jesus. So Jesus, 2,000 years ago, lived his life then, but now he lives his life through his church, which is why we say we're the hands and the feet of Jesus, amen? Now that, the church isn't always hitting the target, but that's who we're called to be. So when somebody is set free, it's not about religion, it's about being free in Christ to then allow Christ to live and walk his life out through you. That's, that's what we're on mission to do. We're on mission to help people experience that level of freedom. Now, let me go ahead and take that to another level. How will we know if somebody's set free to walk in Jesus? Maybe that's the question you might ask. Maybe in a sports analogy, how do you know when you cross the touchdown? If this is the touchdown for us, when will we know somebody crossed it? Well, we believe our mission realized is what our vision is. Our vision is our mission realized. And, and we believe four things happen when somebody crosses that line. Here's what happens. People know God, find community, discover their purpose, and make a difference. 
that that is our hope for every single person in this room and those watching online is that you would get to the place where you can say, I know God. I don't just know about God. I actually know him. And I found community. I don't just keep Jesus to myself. I'm not a Jesus hoarder. I share Jesus. I get around community. I find it. And I know my purpose. I got, a, I got a part to play. I got something to bring. I have something to give, right? And I'm using it. I'm not just saying I know my purpose, but I'm not gonna do nothing with it. I'm actually going to shoot my shot. I'm gonna make a difference. Those are the four things we're gonna be walking through. Know God, find community, discover purpose, make a difference. That's our vision. Vision is about seeing. What do you want to see at Walk Church? Well, we wanna see people free to walk in Jesus. In other words, we want them knowing God, finding community, discovering purpose, making it. If you got all that, say, I got it. Okay, so let's talk about this phrase, know God. The first point of our vision is that people would know God. I wanna give a quick shout out and honor Pastor Mike right in front of me here for preaching an excellent sermon last week on what it means and looks like to know God. Such a good word, brother. I mean, I needed to know that. I needed to hear that that you helped bring us into the fullness of know God and why it's important in the original language and how John 17 says, eternal life is found in us knowing God. It was such a fresh word. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, go to walkchurch.com or download the app, check out the podcast. You can watch it or listen to it there. But what I wanna do in today's message is I just wanna go ahead and drill a little bit deeper into this phrase, no God. I feel like Pastor Mike kicked us off with some introduction. I wanna go ahead and stand on the shoulders of your sermon last week and color it in all the more. So if we can do that, say, let's do it. Okay, Father, right now, as we get ready to do it, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, that we would receive something from this sermon that would change us. God, I pray that we wouldn't just come to church to come to church. I pray we would come hungry and that you would fill us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wanna bring you into a little bit of my story and my testimony as it relates to why I'm so passionate about this phrase, knowing God. When I was a freshman in college, I found myself on the campus of James Madison University I was playing college basketball there, and at that time, I had never been to church in my life. I, I didn't understand what the Bible was. I didn't even have an understanding that I could read it personally. And I got invited to a ministry called Fellowship Christian Athletes. Some of you may know it as FCA. It's one of my favorite ministries in the world. I love FCA. We're a partner of FCA. Some different people in our church, George and Kinsey, who I see, and Teddy and Kehlani serve on the FCA team here in Las Vegas, there's, F FCA is such a great ministry because it has a specific focus on reaching athletes with the gospel. That was me. And so somebody gave me an invite to a Monday night FCA meeting. I remember showing up thinking, where am I? I kind of went for the free pizza, but, but come on, God will use something, amen, to get your attention. And I was there and I'm just looking around and the weirdest thing happened this Young lady who was on the softball team at JMU came up and said, okay, we're gonna stand and worship. And I tapped my teammate and I said, what's that mean? And he just said, bro, just, just follow me, bro. Just, just. <laughs> we stood up and we started singing. And I was like, this is so weird. Why are we singing? Is this like a concert? Is this what is karaoke? Like, I, I'm, like, I'm like, bro, are you singing? And then I started humming. 
was like, this, this is actually all right. And I said, I'm coming back next week. I'm going to show back up. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep checking it out. Let me give you a quick sidebar. This isn't even in my notes, but I really believe this to be true. If you show up, you'll grow up. That if you take that decision to say, you know what? I don't got it all figured out. I'm not even quite sure what this is all going to look like. I don't really know about the charge groups or the Wednesday prayer or Sunday church or serving. But you know what? If you just show up and you say, you know what? I'm not even sure if they're going to play my song this weekend, but I'm still going to show up. If you show up, you'll grow up. You'll, be, you'll, you'll look back and you'll say, man, I'm growing. I'm different. I feel like I'm a new person. I love that example you shared last week of an individual in your charge group who, who saw a post, a social media post from a few years ago and said, I don't even know that person anymore. I'm growing. Right? One, one of the best compliments someone ever gave me was when a, a person looked at me uh, a, a somebody who I knew when I was in my BC days, my before Christ days. And they looked at me several years later and they said, man, you know what, Hayden? Man, you changed. I was like, yes. I'm so glad I didn't stay the same than I was in high school. I hope I'm getting better. And I knew what the person meant. I tried to speak into their life, but hopefully we're all changing. But we're not going backwards, amen? We're growing. We're being conformed into the image of Jesus. You change. What you mean? You look more like Jesus this year. And Jesus wants to, because you're walking in him. You're free to walk in him. You, you, you know him. And so here I am on the campus. Somebody gives me a Bible. My mom actually mailed me a Bible. And somebody gave me an FCA Bible. I got these Bibles and I have no idea what to do with them. And so, great idea. When you don't know what to do, Ask. Ask somebody who you feel like has already taken that step. So there was an individual named Joe there. He was helping lead the FCA. I said, hey, Joe, where do I start in this Bible? And he said, start with Jesus. Start with Matthew, the first gospel in the New Testament. I opened up to the gospel of Matthew. I was in my dorm room, sitting there on my bed, opened up the gospel of Matthew. The first 17 verses in Matthew chapter one, of course, are the genealogy of Jesus. A whole bunch of long names. I almost just closed it and said, this Christian thing is not for me. Somebody else can read that for me, right? But I said, you know what? I'm not gonna give up. I gotta at least make it through the first chapter, (laughs) right? I can't say I didn't read the first chapter. The second half of chapter one is the beginning of the Christmas story. I began to realize, okay, here's baby Jesus. Here's the wise men. Here's the Virgin Mary. Here's this story is very fascinating and has all these, it's drama filled, it's scandalous. Mary, where'd you get pregnant? Uh, It was the angel, you know, Joseph's gonna divorce her quietly and and then the angel speaks to Joseph in this dream and says, you're gonna name this boy Jesus and he's gonna be the son of God who's gonna save you and save the world. And Joseph says, oh my goodness. Yes, I'm gonna do that. He made the greatest decision of his life to be obedient to God. And then you see this baby Jesus get born, he grows up, and then he gets baptized by John the Baptist in Matthew 3. He has this wrestling match with Satan in the wilderness in Matthew 4. He comes down and goes up a different mountain in Matthew 5. He preaches the Sermon on the Mountain, great sermon and wisdom and teaching from Jesus. But he closes the sermon with this statement that forever changed my life. And if you give me the permission, I'd like to share it with you here today. Okay, you guys said it was okay. If you would have said no, I still would have probably did it. But since you kindly said okay, I'm gonna share with you the words from Christ that 
transformed my life in a 180 way. It wasn't a 360. A 360 means you're going this way, you did one of these, and you went right back to the way you were going. A 180 means I'm going in a new direction, a new path. These verse, the, the verses of scripture I'm about to show you did that for me. So if you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter seven, verses 21 through 23. Dum, dum, dum. Spoiler alert. The most frightening scriptures in the Bible. So don't tune out. I gave you the spoiler alert. Come on, you can do this. Buckle your seatbelt. Don't get up to go to the bathroom right now. Unless you have to. These are the verses in scripture that, that can keep you up at night. These are the scriptures that will change your life. Here's what, what Jesus says. I can still remember being in my dorm room. It was like Jesus sat with me and conversed with me in the Bible. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Pump the brakes. For me, that was such a radical statement because I had built this theology in my head that sounds like this. If you be a good person and you believe in God, you'll go to heaven. Does anybody sound like that, that, that playbook is familiar for you? Here, here's why. I had just thought that in my own self was true. Here's the reality. I made up a God in my head named Haydn who wrote a Bible in my head that was not true. I convinced myself for so many years, hey, Haydn, just be a good person, believe in God, you'll go to heaven. If somebody would ask me, hey, Haydn, how do I get to heaven? I said, just be a good person, believe in God. And I read Matthew 7, 21, and it completely shook me because Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, which shocked me and said, okay, well, I gotta ask a question because this statement isn't said to the atheist club. This is written to people who are saying Jesus is Lord, which should make everybody in this room and online listen up. Because if you're not careful, what if you find yourself there? This could be a, a life-changing, pivotal moment for you. Here's the question, Jesus says. Not everyone will make it to the kingdom of heaven, but only, everybody say only. Only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, which then made this 19-year-old back then ask this question, what's the will of the Father? What's the will of the Father? Do you know the will of the Father? I need to know the will of the Father because that's my ticket to heaven. The, very young in my thinking. And here's what I realized. Jesus gives us the answer in the story. Watch this. Many, everybody say many. Many, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles, verse 23. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Notice what happened. Jesus gives us this story about an individual who says, wait, wait, Jesus, hold a time out. You must not know who I am. <laughs> I'm actually a prophet. How, how foolish does this person sound? But say, hey, Jesus, hold up. What do you mean? I, I prophesied in your name. I'm prophet Hayden. I got prophecies under my belt, right? No, no. Jesus says that's not what I'm looking for. He 
He says, well, in your name, I, I drove out demons. I performed exorcisms in the name of Jesus. And Jesus says, that's not really what I'm looking for either. And then somebody else says, well, wait, wait, wait. Jesus, in your name, I performed many miracles. And Jesus goes, that's not what I'm looking for either. Those aren't the will. The will of the Father, listen to me, church, the will of the Father is not for you to do something for Jesus. Let me say it again over here. The will of the Father is not for you to do something for Jesus. The will of the Father, God, is not for you to do something. It's for you to know someone. The, the will of the Father is not found in you doing more stuff for Jesus as if somehow he needed you. The will of the Father is here. Jesus says, I'll tell them plainly, here's the will. I just never knew you. The key is, I wanted to know you and you wanted to do something for me. Religion is working hard to do something for God. Relationship says, Jesus, I just wanna know you. Do it through me. I think the paradox is that in our culture today, in American culture, we have such a pull up your bootstraps, work hard and grind mentality that we feel like we need to do something for God. Can I just say something? It's gonna shock somebody in the room, but it might free you too. God doesn't need you. But equally, God wants you. There's a difference. Jesus is not in heaven. Like, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Father, Father, we really need Stacy Julian. Even though Stacy's awesome. The Holy Spirit is not like, Father, God, we really need Hayden to do something. They don't. Here's the reality. We need him. I think too often we, we have this backwards mentality. It's like, God needs me. That's why I have to do it. No, no, no. It's, that's wrong. You need him. I don't think God is impressed with any of us. We should be impressed with him. The, the reality is, you are smart and good looking and have gifts and cool stuff like that. No doubt. Praise God. But he doesn't need you. But he, he sure does want you. Maybe you would say, how do you know he wants me? Because he died for you? <laughs> because he came down to heaven on a rescue mission to come get your attention? He loves you. He wants you. He wants you to know him. He wants to know you. The key in this scripture here is when Jesus looks at these individuals and says, I know you did a lot of great stuff for me. You even used my name to do it. But I don't know you, man. I don't know you, woman. And then he says, away from me, you evildoers. And what happened for me on that day when I was in my freshman year of college, I realized he was talking to me. I realized, you know what, I'm the evildoer who doesn't know Jesus. I know some things about him, but if Jesus were to walk in the room, I couldn't say, hey, Jesus, is me. I don't know that I know him like that. But I made a decision. I, put my, I dug my heels in and I said this in prayer. Lord, I don't know you, but that's about to change. I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to get to know your heart, your will, 
your vision, your word, your personality. I'm gonna get to know your characteristics, God. And while I'm doing that, I'm gonna open myself up to you. I'm gonna even share with you, Lord, all of my secrets and insecurities and struggles and pride and sin. And Jesus, as I get to know you, you're gonna get to know me. And we're gonna have a real authentic relationship. Some people say, hey, Hayden, where did your calling to church planting come from? And I always say, it came from knowing God. This journey of getting to know Jesus over the years, he begins to do the work through you. As you get to know him, he begins to do stuff through us. But it's not us doing it for him. Let me give it to you in a statement. We'll put it up here as a reality statement. The primary calling on my life, the primary calling on your life, is not to do something for Jesus, rather to have an abiding relationship with Jesus. The the worlds are completely different. If you feel like the primary calling on your life is to do something for Jesus, you'll always be working super hard and never feel like you did enough. Like there could be an airplane coming down at the school, you could catch it and set it down and still feel like I gotta do more. I gotta do more. But Jesus isn't looking for you to do more, he's looking for you to know him more. The primary calling, now listen, church, hear me. We all have a lot of callings on our lives. Like for me, I have a calling of being a pastor, calling of being a dad, calling of being a husband, right? All these are callings. But the primary calling that supersedes all the other callings on your life and on my life is to know him. The primary calling is an abiding relationship with Christ. Friend, don't settle for religion, please. Don't settle for showing up to church and doing stuff for God as if that will pump your religious self up. Give you another checkbox, like I did something good today. Like your good deeds could outweigh your bad, they can't. You've already sinned enough this morning to send you to hell. It's the reality. Now isn't the grace of God beautiful that God says, hey, I'm gonna give you a whole lot more grace today than you even deserve, but the definition of grace is gifts we don't deserve. So that's why we come into the room and we sing, Jesus, you deserve it. (laughs) I don't. I don't need to sing to myself. We sing to you, Lord, because your grace is so fresh. The primary calling on our lives, not to do something for Jesus, it's to have an abiding relationship with Jesus. That, That language comes from what Jesus teaches in John chapter 15. Let me show it to you in John 15, verse five and six. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So real quick, friends, listen to me. I I don't mean to devalue anyone, okay? First off, you have immense value. Jesus knows every hair on your head, even for the bald folk in the room. He knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows your ways. He he knows those things. You are immensely, increasingly valued. But let me also say, you're also just a branch. Branches aren't that impressive, right? Like the best thing about a branch is if it's connected to the tree. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You're not. You don't hold that type of power. You can't resurrect the dead. He can through you. I'm the vine, you are the branches. We are all really cool branches in the room. You should dress up as a branch for Halloween. Like I'm a branch, Jesus called me a branch. 
I'm a, I'm a branch. I'm the vine. You are the branches. I wonder if the disciples were like, what? Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, say it with me. Nothing. Nothing. If you break it up into two words, it's no thing. Jesus says, you, apart from me, you can't do anything of significant worth. A lot of stuff here on earth is gonna fade. It's not gonna last. But Jesus says, if you abide in me, you're gonna do a lot. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. I mean, these are, these are some frightening verses right here, if I'm honest. But I wanna look at these verses from the positive. That means if I actually do abide in Jesus, what can't I do? The fruit, the possibilities that come from abiding in Christ are endless because Jesus loves you and wants to do so much in you and through you. John Piper, a pastor from Minneapolis, says about this verse, he says, oh, how much nothing we do. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, think about how much nothing we have going on throughout our days the amount of things that we do detached from Christ. I'm not just talking about we need to be in church all day on our hands and knees. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that bring Jesus into the space with you. Bring Jesus into the real estate. Bring Jesus into the kitchen. Bring Jesus into the workplace. Bring Jesus into your home. Bring Jesus into your school. You don't have to to wear a shirt that says Jesus freak on it. Just, Just be in the room. Let Christ, watch how Christ moves in the Bible. He'll start to do that through you. Abide in me and I need so much nothing that we do. Uh, A pastor named Francis Chan, he says it like this. He says, my greatest fear in life is being successful at things that don't matter. That that hit me. My, My greatest fear in life is being very successful at things that at the end of the day really don't even matter. Wow comes down to knowing God. So what I wanna do here over the next few minutes, I just, I wanna give, I wanna give us some handlebars. Hopefully you're convinced between Pastor Mike's sermon, between what I've just shared with you so far, that knowing God is the key. That knowing God is the, the first unlocking key to being free to walk in Jesus. That knowing God is the purpose that's on your Life. Why did God create you? Why did he wake you up? So that you can know Jesus better today. Now I wanna give you just a couple application. A couple points of application. I'm gonna give you three specific applications that if you do these things, it's a big if, but if you do the three things that I tell you, I promise you that you're gonna get to know God better. If you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, let me give you the first one. The first one is this. Time with the word before time in the world. Time with the word before time with the world. This is a quote from a pastor in Washington, D.C. named Thabiti Anuwabi. And he says it like this, time with the word before time with the world. Because if you're anything like me, the world is scratching, amen? Before you even wake up, who's there? The world. Ding, ding, bzz, 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 bzz. 
ding, 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 ding. Just all, the world is, is crouching at your door. Emails, text messages, phone calls, alerts, alarms, shoe releases. Dang it. Pray for me, y'all. Whatever it may be. School drop-offs. Getting ready. Got to get ready. Got to get ready. I get it. Time with the word before time with the world. It's saying, God, I'm going to give you the first part of my day. Friend, if, if it's a five-minute start, if you say, God, you're gonna get my first five, powerful. God, you're gonna get my, I'm gonna give you my first minute, Lord. I, it, you have to decide what type of relationship you want with the Lord. You want a one-minute relationship? I mean, a five-minute will do more than that. You might say to me, hey, Hayden, I always start with the word of the day. Hey, let it be nothing less than that. But at some point, maybe you'll be more hungry than just a tater tot. <laughs> You'll be like, man, I need the whole Chick-fil-A carton. Come on, right? Like, I just can't just eat one anymore. I'm getting hungrier for the word, right? Time with the word. I want to encourage you. As, you. as you break open God's word or scroll to an app, start with the word. It's going to set your foundation for the day. You might even have something to give. You might come across somebody who didn't start with the word or who never has even met Jesus and you might have something to share. Let me show you what God showed with me this morning. Let me just tell you about this devotional I read, this proverb of the day I read. I've been, I went to church, Pastor Hyden said, start reading Matthew 1. I started reading Matthew 1. I got something to share. I love how James Merritt says it. Dr. James says it like this. The primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible, but to know God. Friend, hear me. Don't read the Bible so you can puff up your mind with more knowledge. You can have plenty of information about God and still miss him. Case in point, the Pharisees, the Pharisees in the, 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 the time of the life of Jesus, their profession was to memorize the Bible. So while Jesus is walking by them, they're memorizing the Bible about the Messiah. Missed them. Jesus is saying, yo, you don't got to memorize right now. I'm here. Like, converse with me. Get to know me. The word of God was not just so that we can have information. The word of God was so that we can have relationship. Right? So when you read the Bible, don't read for information. Read for relationship. One of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of Bible in the year is because after about a week, I'm like, okay, I got to make up like three, three chapters. So then I just start reading like Okay, I, I caught up. You miss, I want to just read for relationship. I want to get to know Jesus. That's why I'm opening the word, amen? And if you can do Bible in a year, I'm not shading it. You, you should. I, I, any, any Bible plan that works, I love it. Just do it. But get to know him in the process, Amen. Jesus takes it a step further in this chapter on abiding in John 15. Great chapter to read. John 15, verse seven, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Can I tell you that your relationship with God's word will affect your prayer life? If you're abiding in God's word, he says, what do you wanna ask for? 
But let me ask you this question. The word abide means dwell, remain, spend time with. Can you say that your time with God's word is an abiding relationship? And it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. One of the ways for you to prove that you're a disciple of Jesus is to get in the word. There's so much tension here because I don't want you to feel like I'm Bible thumping you right now. Like, I gotta read more Bible. I'm, I, the context is so that you'll get to know God better. Like, there's times where I set out to read a whole chapter in the Bible. I'm reading through the Gospel of Luke, but sometimes I'll just read a chunk and I'll have to just sit in it. Like, even the Holy Spirit might not release me to read anything more because there, there's still more that I need to catch. I'm not reading to check a box. I'm reading to know God. Right, like that would be kind of weird if I'm like talking to Nina on our date night last night and I'm like, hurry up and get to the end of everything you need to talk about so we can say we did that. That would be, that would, that would be a weird relationship, right? That's what we do with God. God, I gotta finish this chapter. All right, good, got that done. God's like, I was trying to say something to you. Can you just slow down? It's all right, there's a whole lot of book to read. We'll get there tomorrow. We'll get there later. David said, I meditate on your word day and night. Right? Morning meditation. Evening evaluation. That's what one of those smart guys said. Right? Um, This is how you're going to know God. Let me give you one more text. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It's another 316 verse. Colossians 316. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let me ask you this. Challenge, challenge alert, don't get mad at me because anything I preach, I preach to myself first. Does the word of Christ dwell in you richly, averagely, if that's a word, averagely, or poorly, or non-existent? To get into the word until the word gets in you. Say, okay, Paul says, Colossians, let, allow the word of Christ to dwell in your heart Rich, richly. Can I just go and encourage you? You can do it. Come on, tell the person next to you, say, I really believe you can do it. I believe you guys can do it. I, I, I believe you can do it. If, if average student Hayden, come on, those who know me know that I'm not the smartest dude in the room, all right? I'll say that much. If, if average student Hayden at age 19 in college can open up this book and God could begin to speak to me and, and draw me near and I could get to know him how I've gotten to know him, friend, that can be your story too. I'm not saying your calling needs to be my calling. Friend, your calling needs to be your calling. Like, come on, praise God. Only become a pastor if God calls you to be a pastor. If not, don't, please. You know, like, do, do your, your business so I can go to your business and enjoy it. Come on, right? Like, everybody's got a special calling, and it's powerful, and Jesus is in it. Fr- friend, I just want to encourage you. You can read this book. Don't let anything stop you. 
Find a translation that works for you. If you need a Bible, we have a rack of ESV Bibles that you probably walked by coming in. If you need one, just grab one. If you need an extra one, just grab one. If you need a large print Bible, we got large print ones. If you need a smaller print one, we got smaller print ones. The key is we want you to have one. Just grab one. Grab one for you, grab one for somebody else and say, let's do this together. We gotta get in the word. I, I believe you can do it. I, I, was, I had the opportunity to go to the football game last Monday night, Raiders Chargers, and uh, it was just a, a really neat experience. And I was sitting in the airport uh, Monday night and I was sitting by a bunch of Raider fans. And I'm talking to them, just conversing with this, this gentleman who just happened to be there, we're waiting for the plane. And I was amazed at how much stuff this guy knew. He's like, listen, I know what the problem is. I'm like, yeah, sure you do. Like, you know how sports guys talk. And what the problem is, we need this guy, we need our quarterback to do this, and then we got our second string to do this, and the percentages of this, is 22% here, and when he does this, and this, this, and he's like, because last year we had this amount of wins, and then this year we're doing this, and then we, this next game, and I'm like, bro, you know so much about people you don't even know. <laughs> like, I'm like commending your knowledge on sports and your statistical ability to recall percentages and stats, but nobody really even cares. I'm not trying to shade all my sports fanatics in the room. My point is you can read the word too. If you can memorize all of the, the statistics, I think you can memorize a couple verses of scripture with it. It just, it just depends on what you wanna prioritize, amen? This has been true. Uh, for my life. Let me give you the second point. So the first one is time in the word before time in the world. The world is gonna clog all your time if you don't get in the word first. Second point, journal the journey. Journal the journey. Something that has been a game changer for my life. Usually when you see me, I'll be carrying some type of journal. I, I've just recently, I didn't, wasn't sure how much room I had, but before I left today, I just said, let me just grab some of my old journals. So I grabbed four of them, four of them that I found. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll just go back and open up a journal. And I'll be like, I wrote that? Like God was speaking that to me? The journey of knowing God is so sweet. God will speak to you and and what I want to encourage you to do is to write it down, right? Like the Bible doesn't speak specifically to the power of journaling. What the Bible does is record journaling. When you read the book of Psalms, what do you think you're reading? Just reading David's journal. David taking time to sit down and to journal out his prayers, journal out his thoughts. God, you're so great. You're showing me so much. God, I feel like you're not even close. God, I remember I used to worship when I would go there. Now when I go there, I feel like I'm scared. God, where, God, I'm so mad at them. David would use hyperbole in his journal. Like We should really give David a little bit of slack for some of his psalms because we're just reading his journal. We're just having to make it public. You'd probably be a little embarrassed if you made your journal public too and everybody was preaching it. I just grabbed this one. I just wrote this, I don't wanna be where God was, I wanna be where God is. God, give me clarity 
on the dream you've given me. Jesus, you have my yes. Man, it's good content. 20, let's see, charge group. February 2017. Hebrews chapter 10, we're talking about habits. You can have a bad habit or a good habit. A bad habit is not to go to group. A good habit is to go to group. <laughs> I love that. Very profound, Hayden. EPAF got in the journal, did a little bit of a little, little sketch. Let's see. 2015. I wrote in it. This journal is not about what I do for Jesus. This journal is about walking in Jesus. Where's your life going to be in three years? You don't need a vision statement. You need a visionary state of mind. I got some good stuff in here. I might have to go back. Will Jesus be enough for you? Notes from Bob Roberts' session. Man, I just, I, I'm trying to remind, like, Jesus walked with me through all these. Time in the Word in Leviticus 17. Wow. There is life found in the blood. Sacrificial system of blood. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Linking it with Isaiah 12. Here's my point. Journal the journey. I was at Walk Church in October. And I, and I learned about knowing Jesus today. And I sat next to so-and-so and God spoke to me. Here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you to pick something up today in the merch store. I made these journals for this weekend. It says, journal the journey to know God. I want you to pick one of these up. The larger ones are $10. The smaller ones are $5 if you want like a pocket-sized one. Whatever works for you, I want you to, to grab one. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to, fill the, to, to fill one of these up by the end of the year. By the end of 2021. Here's what you gotta do. Write daily. Daily, take time to just write. Even if you just write a sentence on a page, you wrote. Just put a date, maybe where you, where you are. One of the coolest things Nina and I did during our sabbatical in July was we made, we made the decision, we're gonna write every day. So we'd get to the end of the day, we'd have to go into separate sections of wherever we were staying at, the Airbnb we were at, and we would just write down what God showed us today. And it was so amazing when we were here we got an argument in the car, and we were here, and we went and ate at this place, and then we, it was so neat going to the San Diego Zoo, and we got to see, like, like, just writing. And then maybe you might say, I met this person, like a lady I met at In-N-Out yesterday, and we invited her to church. Like, write that down and pray about her, pray for her. You know what I'm saying? Journal the journey. To couple that, I wanna include this book, as a highlight, this book is called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And I just wanna edify you and encourage you to pick this book up today. When it comes to Bible intake and how to read the Bible effectively, a great chapter on the discipline of Bible reading. But the only chapter I've ever read on the discipline of journaling is found in this book. It's such a good work from Donald Whitney. He says, more than almost any other discipline, journaling has a fascinating appeal for nearly all who hear about it. One reason is the way journaling blends the Bible and daily living. Like the, con 
the confluence of two great rivers into one. And since each believer's adventure down life's river involves bends and hazards previously unexplored by him or her on the way to the celestial city, something about journaling this journey appeals to the adventures of the spirit of the Christian growth. I wanna encourage you to maybe pick up this book as he speaks to the topic of journaling and how to do it well. He, he pulls from the journals of global missionaries who are no longer around, but their journal lives on. Does that make sense? Like we don't know much about Charles Spurgeon today other than all the stuff he wrote down. The journal of Adoniram Judson, the, the journal of Hudson Taylor, right? The journals of great men and women of God, the journals of Leonard Ravenhill as he prayed. We get to look back at those things. So I wanna encourage you if, you, if you've never started, today's the great day to start. Last one, and I'm done. That, that rhymed. Uh, join us at Wednesday prayer. If, if you're gonna get to know God, join us at Wednesday prayer. You, you don't have to, but I wanna encourage you to. I'm, I wanna encourage you to prioritize your schedule in such a way that you're able to join us for Wednesday prayer. Every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m., we spend at minimum an hour praying together. And it's been one of the most fruitful disciplines in my life in knowing God. Every Wednesday, I have this moment about midway through the prayer service, and I think this is the best thing we do. It's not Sunday. It's not charge group. It's this. And then I look up, and it's the lowest attended thing we do. And I think, man, where is everybody? Why don't they catch this? I want to encourage you to prioritize being a part of Wednesday prayer. Now, let me go ahead and couple that with something that I, I've heard and that I've found as a studier of church. Many consultants and leaders say that the average church member will attend one thing during the week and a Sunday service. So basically, they'll, they'll say this. If you're going to challenge your people to do something, they might go to church on Sunday. That's the primary. And then they'll give you one hour during the week. That's for the average church member. Can I just go ahead and tell you something? This is my final point. I'll put it on the screen and I'm done. Don't settle for an average relationship. Don't settle for average. I get it. The average Christian would go to church Sunday and maybe even show up at a small group because they're elite. And what I'm saying is go beyond that. Yeah, I'm calling you to level up. So what? Go beyond average. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know that everybody's busy. And if you can't make it, you shouldn't feel bad. But if you can't make it because you have to play a game on your phone, maybe it's time to level up. Or if you can't make it because, you know, it's just, it's comfort. I already went to, to small group. Isn't that enough? Check this out, you're not doing it for anybody. You're doing it to know God. Nobody's got like a tally checklist system on your life. It's not like if you come to 10 charge groups, you get the 11th free. Like that's like, what are we doing here? Here's why we do it, to know God. Why am I there on Wednesday night? Because I wanna know God. And I know there's something about prayer 
that connects me with God. There's something about opening the Bible. The Bible is living and active. It comes alive. It jumps out of the page, pulls me in. Alive. So you can either have a real authentic relationship with Jesus or you can have an average relationship. It's up to you. Use my, parallel my, my, my wife again, right? Let me just ask y'all here in the room. If, if I told Nina, okay, hey, Nina, check this out. I got an idea. Let's spend about an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. And then I'll give you like another hour on like Tuesday night, but that's it. What type of relationship would we have? Someone said none. It's laughable. Some of your relationship with God is laughable. It's, it's very average. And God's saying, I need a better priority. God's saying, I would rather, I want the, the priority relationship even over your spouse. Come on, right? You're not even gonna be married in heaven. You're gonna be with the king. So, and, and that's somebody who loves marriage. Don't hear me what I'm not saying. I'm saying there's something even more priority. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for being so close and being so clear, being so near. God, we just want to know you better. We want to know you more. God, give us a whatever-it-takes mentality. If there's anybody here right now that doesn't know you, Jesus, as the Lord and the Savior of their lives, I pray today would be the day. That today would be the day that they say, you know what, I'm gonna stop playing. And I'm gonna get to know God. I'm not gonna wait. I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna dive into the pool. I'm gonna get to know him. If that's you right now, even with, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, with Jesus in the room looking, his spirit is here. If you're ready to say, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get to know God. I'm ready to put my faith in him right now. Would you just lift your hand right now? I just wanna see if there's anybody in, in the room right now. I see different hands got up, I see different hands shot up. I see different people from all age brackets, all seasons of life. God, I thank you for those individuals today that are saying, I'm ready to get to know God in a real relationship way. God, I pray that you would touch everybody's hand that went up and that you would meet them right where they're at and that Jesus, you would be the one that saves them. This world can't save you. Only the blood of Jesus can save you. So God, I pray that the, there would be relationships popping all around the room right now. Relationships starting, abiding, relation, that branches would get reconnected to the vine right now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you, we trust you, and we're excited for this journey of knowing you together. In Jesus' name, amen.